Hey there, you're listening to Fun Times in Flushing, a positive podcast about the New York Mets. I am Michael Smith, here to talk Mets baseball with you. Regular season Mets baseball is here, finally. Little delay, but it is here. The drama was excellent. The $341 million man at short showed off with his glove and his bat, and the team has its first series under its belt. We'll get into all that coming up right now. That theme comes from Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your podcast themes at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. If you want to find any links discussed in today's show or to learn more about the show, go to funandflushing.com slash 24. That's funandflushing.com slash the numbers 24. So it took a little longer than we expected. Uh, the issues for the Washington Nationals with COVID-19. Multiple players, multiple starting players going on the IL for undisclosed reasons. Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, Patrick Corbin, all those guys on the IL. They finally got started. They had to play a doubleheader against the Braves just to make sure that series didn't get too caught up in all that. But the Mets had to wait until Monday rather than Thursday, Saturday, or Sunday to start their season. And they got underway in Philadelphia with Jacob deGrom on the mound. Against Matt Moore, which seemed, at the time, like quite the advantage. Unfortunately, our season got started even a couple hours earlier than we expected when the lineup came out. I don't know if you've ever seen such a visceral reaction to an opening day lineup. Opening day lineup seems like a gimme, doesn't it? You would never think Dom Smith wouldn't be in there. He was arguably our best hitter last year. Well, sure enough, he was not. And Kevin Pillar was. I mean, here's the problem for me. First off, I think it's very simple. It's opening day. It's opening day. How do you not play Dominic Smith on opening day? Dominic Smith last year who had a 993 OPS. Dominic Smith last year who hit 10 home runs. Drove in 42 runs in the shortened season. Dominic Smith, who in his career has a 746 OPS against lefties. Not terrific, but not disastrous. He's not a horrific player against lefties. And if you look at last year, in 64 plate appearances against lefties, his OPS was 900. He had no problems with lefties last year. The short sample size, the small sample size, don't get me wrong. But if you look at the progression of his career, there's a lot that we saw in 2020 that we can take and say, that's probably pretty representative of what he's going to be going forward. It just seems to me like you were trying way too hard. Kevin Pillar had a good spring. Kevin Pillar has earned the right to start some games for this team moving forward. But there's something to start in an opening day, and Dominic Smith deserved that. And, and he deserved the chance to face a lefty. And might I add, he deserved the chance to face Matt Moore. Matt Moore was awesome when he came up many years ago. A trip to Japan ago. He couldn't get a major league contract last season. He's just not a good pitcher anymore. They were concerned about Matt Moore? This is how we start the season? They're worried about Matt Moore? Overpowering Dominic Smith? 
this is how we start things off in 2021. The big new exciting Steve Cohen era. Matt Moore. I don't know how else to say it. Matt Moore. And and there's more. There's more. So then in the fourth inning, Mets are winning 2-0. RBI singles from James McCann and Jacob DeGrom have given them the lead. Fourth inning, bases loaded, two outs. Joe Girardi goes to Brandon Joe Girardi goes to Brandon Kinsler. It just seemed obvious. It just seemed obvious. You bring up Dom Smith. You bring up Dom Smith. You try to blow the game open right there, and you see what you can do. And Dom goes out and plays left field. Yeah, you're lessening the defense out there, but you take you take the chance. You take the chance. You try to blow the game open. And he didn't do it. Luis Rojas did not do it. And I'm going to try not to put too much blame on Luis Rojas because I don't think he has total control over what's going on uh, in the the day-to-day decisions of managing. I like many managers in this day and age. So he goes, he stays, I should say, with Kevin Pillar, and Pillar makes the final out of the inning. After the game, he explains it as he didn't want to burn two players that early in a National League game. That would make a ton of sense if Dom Smith didn't play the outfield. But as we know, Dom Smith plays the outfield. He plays left field. Yes, it would have lessened the defense. But the only the only way I can make sense of that explanation is Luis Rojas was saying if he used Dominic Smith to hit there, he was going to send Albert Amor out to play center field in the bottom half of the inning. And my question is why? It's a, because... As it was happening, the wheels were turning in my head. Okay, you go to Dom here. You go to Dom here, you let Dom hit. And hopefully he hits a grand slam. Hopefully he hits three-run double. Something along those lines. And the Mets blow this game open and give Jake a big lead. And if, in a couple innings, Dom goes out and plays left field, if in a couple innings you still have the lead, you feel comfortable, maybe you get him one more at-bat, you take him back out of the game, or you slide him over to first, and you put Elmore out in center and put Nimmo back in left. I'm thinking to myself, the way this roster is constructed, even on these days where Pilar starts against the lefty, if they go to the bullpen, if they bring in right-handed pitchers, you can go to Dom to hit and still have the defensive replacement coming in after him. The wheels are turning in my head of, this is genius. And you have Dom that can hit left uh, righties, and lefties, but righties specifically, and you have Pilar who can hit lefty. And you have... Two options to improve the defense in Almora. I'm thinking to myself, this is great. And on the first day of the season, he refuses to go to it and acts as though it's such a ridiculous notion to put Dominic Smith out in left field after he didn't start the game that it wasn't even an option for him. How is that so? How was he then a good enough outfielder to play the next two games? Explain it to me. I, I don't get it. I don't get what he was trying to say. And I know, and this is why I'm not putting blame on Luis Rojas, because that is such an analytic answer. I didn't want to burn two players. He was making that up on the fly. For whatever reason, the book told him not to go to Dom in that spot. So he had to make up some nonsensical answer, something that if you thought about it for two seconds, made no sense. And that's what managers have to do nowadays. Speaking of, Jacob deGrom, Excellent, exactly as you would expect. Economical, 77 pitches through six innings, and he comes out of the game. Now, he had the lead. He had a 2 nothing lead, but
but he comes out after 77 pitches when it was stated that he had a pitch count of 90 to 100. Why? Well, in the words of Luis Rojas, because he had given us six ups. Again, analytic garbage verbiage. That's all that is. It's not only stupid. It's not only not a good reason to take him out of the game. It's trying to confuse you by not saying sick as innings. He'd given us its innings. We didn't want him to start another inning. Explain it to me in layman's terms. But they don't want to do that because they know we'll think it's stupid. It's the first game of the season. I don't want Jake throwing 120 pitches and throwing a complete game. I don't need that. Jake could have given you the seventh. He probably could have given you the eighth. He was dealing. He had innings where he was throwing single, single digit pitches to get through that game. And I get it. 10 days between, you know, his last brain start and Monday. And I get that they wanted to bring him back on normal rest, use the off day and not use the fifth starter. But when you have Jacob DeGrom on the mound, you have to win those games, especially when he starts against Matt Moore. So I don't care if he had a six ups, whatever nonsense that is, you have to let Jake pitch. And if you have to, you take advantage of the off day and you give him the extra day. And you start Joey Lucchese on Saturday and Jake on Sunday instead. You have to win those games. And in all likelihood, if he gives you the seventh, he gets up to about 90 pitches and you decide, you know what, it's time to go to the bullpen. In all likelihood, you still go to Trevor May. Trevor May still doesn't have it on Monday night. Neither does Aaron Loop. And you lose that game anyway. But that would have been so much easier to handle if Jake didn't leave on 77 pitches. If it's opening day and he goes 90 pitches, seven innings, shut out. You can handle it. Because some of the bad luck of that inning, like Luis Guillorme's throwaway, allowing two runs to score, stuff like that, you just have to throw your hands up and say, Luis Guillorme is one of the best fielders we have. So is James McCann. And they both fell, They both came up short and let that ball get away and let two runs score. Stuff like that just happens. And, you, and as much as it hurts, and that was brutal to watch, especially on opening night after we waited so long for it, but that's, that's baseball. That's the beauty of the game, is that you get to have that and come back the next night and score eight runs and win and wash it all away. But to just watch him come out after 77 pitches, it was just brutal. And I just, I love how they keep moving the goalposts. I love it. I love how all my life, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, it was innings. It was, you had a feel for the game. If a guy was pitching really well, you know, through six, you know, you, you, you're st- you, then you started thinking to yourself, all right, well, he's going to come out for the seventh. And if he labors in the seventh, you know, then we'll start thinking about if he's going to come out of the game. Or if he, you know, labored through five innings, you're thinking to yourself, okay, so he's done. All my life, that was how it worked. And then one day they decided, we're only going to worry about pitch counts. Doesn't matter how many innings, you know, on its own. Relative, if he throws 90 pitches in five innings or 90 pitches in seven innings, that makes a difference. But pitch counts, that's what we're worried about, pitch counts. You know, this guy's coming off an injury, so no matter how well he pitches, if he throws 75 pitches, he's done. We're taking him out of the game. So tonight, Jameson Tyone was pitching really well for the Yankees, 77 pitches, he was out. Then it became stressful pitches. Then it became, well, it was like the game that, that Jake pitched, I think it was two years ago in Philly, where he was coming off a, a minor injury, but he threw 
like 40 pitches in the first inning. Didn't give up a run, loaded the bases, but he threw like 40-something pitches in the first inning, and they took him out of the game because they were all stressful pitches. Okay, that works. That's fine. But now it's ups. We've worked our way. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cycle. We've worked our way all the way back to innings. He had sits ups, and we couldn't, we couldn't, we could that was, what, you wanted him to have seven ups in this game? What, are you crazy? Oh, I guess so. I guess so. I just, I love this game. I love baseball. It's the best sport there is. But this, this nonsense is just brutal. It makes the game unwatchable. I, I mean, Gary Cohen comes back from commercial, and they're showing Jake getting the, the fist bumps in the dugout, and he's saying it looks like DeGrom is coming out of this game. And I'm thinking, is he out of his mind? Why would he come out of this game? I saw the fist bumps. I just figured it was the end of the inning. A couple of guys were giving him fist bumps because he was pitching so well. There's no way he's coming out of this game. Sure enough, here comes Miguel Castro. Just brutal. I just, like I said, I, I think uh, unless he got out of the, the seventh and four pitches, I think Trevor May is coming in anyway in the eighth inning. And for whatever reason, he just didn't have it. And then they bring Loop in to get Harper. And he throws two terrible breaking balls and hits him with the second one. Uh, but it ha- it happened. I-, I-, I don't want to freak out about that. But to just have your best pitcher, not your best pitcher, the best pitcher, come out of the game at 77 pitches. He's not coming off an injury like Jamison Tyone, who didn't pitch at all last year. He finished third in the Cy Young last year. He won the two Cy Youngs before that. He's the best pitcher on the planet but that 78th pitch would have done him in that seventh up oh what are you crazy what is spring training for why do we have spring training if not to get your best players ready to play baseball he was in florida for six weeks i'm not blaming him we put these guys in bubble wrap what are you waiting for you had him in florida for six weeks you couldn't get him ready to throw his seventh inning it's unbelievable it's unbelievable all right, I, I, I need to get moving here. Uh, Miguel Castro, not perfect. Was hit a little hard. Gave up a ball that JT Real Muto hit to the warning track. That was a little scary in a 2 nothing game. But he was good enough. He got through that inning. He got the hold. He moved on. He handed the 2 nothing lead to Trevor May, who just just didn't have it. Just didn't have it. You, you brought him in probably to be your 7th inning guy. Uh, and... He became the eighth inning guy when Seth Ludo got hurt. I, I don't know if it's really going to work out that way in an ideal world because you're going to have Seth Ludo, who is going to throw two innings probably a lot. But in the normal construction of a bullpen, yeah, Trevor May is your seventh inning guy. And he just didn't have it. And like I said, that's going to happen. And Aaron Loop is going to come in to face a lefty. And he's going to spin one of the worst breaking balls you've ever seen and hit him with it sometimes. Ideally, they're not going to do both those things in the same inning, but it happened here. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to DeGrom. It's going to happen to Marcus Stroman. It's going to happen to Jamison Tyone in in this season. It's going to happen to everybody. It's baseball. It's the beauty of the game. And, and, And in that sense, as tough as it is on opening night, as tough as it is for as long we waited, in that sense, you kind of just got to let it wash off your back. And I mean, look, this team rallied. Lindor gets his first hit. They get the tying run to the plate in Michael Conforto. They get the go-ahead run to the plate in Pete Alonso, who, hit, who sends Bryce Harper right back to the wall. 
I really thought he got it. I really thought he gave the Mets the lead. But he came up just short, and the Mets lost on opening night. Uh, they still have the best opening day record in, in the sport. I think they still have the best opening day record in sports, which is a wild stat that I love to remember every April. Even though it's an orgout in our favor this year, uh, that's still a nice little feather in our cap. So the Mets come up short, and yeah, it hurt. And yeah, DeGrom should have gone longer. And yeah, the bullpen was disappointing. But it's baseball. So they played the Nets night. In game two, you get Dom Smith in the lineup. And what happens, of course, but he opens the scoring with a two-run homer. You gotta love that. The fact that he didn't bat at all in game one was such a disappointment. But he comes up in game two and he homers. That's just so great. And the Mets tack on, and they score a couple runs, and that proved important later on. The bullpen was not good again in this game. Uh, Lindor gets his first RBI, sack fly. I like that he just he jumped on, on a pitch to hit, and yeah, he made it out, but he hit the ball good to center field. He got a run in. Watching him in this first series was such a joy, and I'll get into that more in a little bit. Uh, J.D. Davis gets hurt in this one, takes a fastball to the hand. X-ray, negative. They waited. They had another X-ray again today during the afternoon when they let the swelling go down. Again, negative, so it appears day-to-day. I would bet you're not going to see him on opening day, the home opener at City Field on Thursday, but, you know, we can hope. Uh, Marcus Stroman was awesome. Marcus Stroman's done a lot of talking this offseason, and I liked Marcus Stroman, but when you talk, you got to back it up, and he did that. He was awesome. He is very much a bend-but-don't-break sort of guy. Ideally, at his best, he's pitching to contact. He's pitching to weak contact, balls on the ground. And he did that wonderfully on Tuesday night. They got Trevor May back in the game. He got back on the horse. Again, not great, but well enough to get through. Alonzo got his first home run of the season, gave the Mets an 8-2 lead. Familia made it a little dicey in the ninth. But I liked in this game, they had a pretty decent lead. They got Trevor May back out there. They got Familia out there. And they got the job done. You know, Familia gave up two runs in the ninth inning, but he also got to lead the handshake line after the game. I think stuff like that is good for guys that might be facing a little bit of a confidence issue. And the Mets got their first one of the season, setting up a rubber match on Wednesday afternoon. The flip side, when you decide to look at well, our season got delayed, and we're coming in in the middle of the Phillies rotation, so we get Jacob DeGrom versus Matt Moore. The flip side of that is they get Aaron Nola versus David Peterson. Not as much of an advantage, but still definitely an advantage. No Jeff McNeil. McNeil got off to a rough start in the first two games. Uh, not finding success. Oh, for his first eight, including... A pinch hitting appearance in Wednesday's game. But honestly, he's been hitting the ball hard. It's not a an issue where he's striking out a ton or anything like that. Just the ball was just not finding any holes. So he sat in favor of Jonathan VR. JD Davis was out of the game for Luis Diorme. Uh, but other than that, the lineup stayed the same. McCann started for the third straight day. David Peterson, not good in the first inning. Home run to Reese Hoskins, three-run homer to Alec Bohm, and it looked like disaster. I didn't 
My first thought was, how are you going to get these runs back on Aaron Nola? Because Brandon Nimmo got on to lead off the game. He walked, of course, and got he got to second base with one out. He got to third base, and the Mets just couldn't get him in. And a lot of times with a guy like Nola, you have to get him early. You have to take advantage of those opportunities, and the Mets did not do that. And then David Peterson goes out and gives up four runs in the first inning. And that just seems like a disaster. The Mets, though, you have to, I have to really give their offense credit. They, ha- they battled this entire series. They never made it easy on Philly pitching. They really battled against Nola. They had a big chance against him in the fourth inning. They got the bases loaded. They got Michael Conforto to the plate. And it just didn't work out. They got Nola out of the game after the fourth, which seemed promising. This Phillies bullpen is not all that tremendous. Unfortunately, in the fifth inning, David Peterson gives up a double to Reese Hoskins, a bunt single to Bryce Harper. And I was kind of hoping that they would give him a chance against Real Muto, but they did not. They went to Jacob Barnes, first pitch, fastball, three-run homer for Real Muto. And it was 7-1 Phillies, and you could find a you could kind of feel the game end right then and there. I do want to give credit to David Peterson. Uh, I was listening to the game on the radio, and Howie Rose was talking about the unflappability of one David Peterson. And that is the truth. It's my favorite thing about David Peterson. It's the best thing about David Peterson. He just doesn't get riled up out there. Nothing gets to the man. He gives up the home, the two home runs in the first inning. Joey Lucchese's warming up in the first inning. His spot came up to bat in the second with runners on base. And while I credit David Peterson, I do think it might have been the right move to go to Lucchese and let somebody pinch hit and try to strike right there. But they let Peterson hit. He made the final out and he went back out. And he gave you three good innings after that. He just, he settles in. He does not, nothing gets to him. He doesn't care. He just, he's the complete opposite. And I don't like to take shots at guys that are not here anymore. He's the complete opposite of Steven Matz. Everything got to Steven Matz. Every little bit of adversity got to Steven Matz. And to have a guy now, a young lefty, just it just doesn't get to him. It's just such a nice thing to see. And I, you know, I wish the best for Steven. But to have David Peterson come out here and just do his thing, it's great. I love it. Uh, unfortunately, like I mentioned, Michael Conforto left. A million men on base today. A couple of big strikeouts just did not come through. He didn't have a great series. Hopefully we'll get to see better things from him as the Mets return home for their home opener against those pesky Marlins of Miami Beach. Uh, Batances, Dylan Batances pitched today. He did not so bad. He hit Roman Quinn, who stole second and third, and then scored on a ground ball. So hit by pitch. Uh, he also walked Andrew McCutcheon, he, and he gave up the run. But no hits given up by Batances. Uh, you don't want to see him walk people. He's not in a position to be putting people on base because they will come around to score on him right now. But he also, because of his decreased velocity, has been getting hit pretty hard. So for him to not give up any hits, that's a positive sign that maybe he's kind of learning a way to work with his decreased velocity. Uh, we'll definitely have to see a lot more of that, though, to make any such proclamations. And one final thing I want to talk about, Francisco Lindor. I mean, it's as advertised. It is as advertised. He made a play in this game when this game was not at all in doubt. 
on a ball up the middle. And if you watch the replay, where he starts, where he gets to, to make this play, to spin, to fire, to get the speedy JT Riamuto. Oh man, just what a play. What a player. He, he got his first hit. He did not have a great series with the bat, but he drove in a run. The leadership. He goes up to David Peterson after that rough first inning. He talks to him. He's talking to Jacob DeGrom during his start. You know, we don't know what they're saying, but he just seems to be such a leader. A couple of times watching even mound visits. I mean, he's doing half the talking while Jeremy Hefner's out there. Maybe it's just setting up defense. Maybe it's words of encouragement. I don't know what he's saying, but to just have such a presence who's been there, who's played in extra innings of Game 7 of the World Series, as pressure-packed a situation as you could possibly imagine. To have a guy who's been there, done that, been around this game, knows what he's doing, not only has the information, but is looking to share it with his teammates. We are so fortunate to have this guy on our team. We really are. And he's going to be here for a long time. I'm so happy, so happy that this guy is going to be a New York Met forever, <laughs> forever. It's very, very exciting. Also exciting, Fun Times and Flushing now has a Patreon page. You can find it at funinflushing.com slash Patreon. Couple membership levels, couple different things. Uh, no matter what, no matter what contribution you make, shout out on the show. Next show after you subscribe. There's a couple other things. There's some behind the scenes content that I'm going to be putting up there. There are special blog posts I'm going to be putting up there. There are special podcasts I'm going to be putting up there. Please go to funandflushing.com slash Patreon to learn more about that. It's just, listen, I love making this show. It is a labor of love. But if you have any sort of financial contribution, if you like what I'm doing here and you want to contribute financially to the show, I would just greatly appreciate it. And if you join anytime between now and I believe April 11th, I'm sorry, April 18th. So that will be when I do the weekend series recap of the Rocky series in a little over a week. If you join anytime between now and then, there's a special offer to get a special video personalized exactly for you from me, thanking you for joining the Patreon page. Like I said, just anything you can contribute to this show, I would really appreciate it. In that vein, if you could follow me on Twitter at msmithfif for fun and flushing, if you could follow the show on Instagram at fun and flushing, if you could subscribe, rate, review the show, I'd really appreciate it. If you have thoughts, if you're watching this team and you're freaking out over Dom Smith not starting, if you're freaking out over Drum coming out after 77 pitches, channel that energy on my voicemail line, 845-206-9098. Send me an email, funtimesandflushing at gmail.com. There's so much to talk about with this team already. It's been three games. So join me. Leave a voicemail, send an email, anything. Join me. In misery and happiness and joy. That's what we're here for. We love this team and we gotta share the magic, good magic, black magic, whatever you whatever. We gotta share in all of it together. If you need any of that information, just go to funandflushing.com slash twenty-four. That's funandflushing.com 
com slash two four. If you're driving, please don't write down any of that stuff. Just remember funflashing.com slash two four. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm going to be doing these moving forward for every series. I will not be doing weekly shows per se this season like I did last year. And I will be back on Sunday following the series finale against the Marlins. And then after that, I will be back next Thursday following the series finale against the Philadelphia Phillies. That is a four-game series at City Field. Please enjoy yourself. If you happen to be going to any of the next seven home games, please enjoy yourself. I cannot wait to be fully vaccinated so I can go to City Field. It is so close yet so far. Uh, I hope everybody has a good time that gets to go out there. I hope it's as loud as possible tomorrow for the home opener. I hope it's loud over the weekend. When Jay takes the mound on Saturday, I just, I'm so excited to see Met fans safely back at City Field. So I will talk to you on Sunday. Please join me on Twitter. I'll, I'm live tweeting these games. I'm giving my thoughts. This is a positive podcast about the New York Mets, but sometimes it's just impossible to be positive. So please don't hate me for being negative. I try my best. Uh, but this is New York Mets baseball. They're one and two. For the love of God, don't panic. They're one and two. There's 159 games left. And I have faith that they're going to figure it out. And I mean, hell, if you're freaking out, the projected winner of this division is two and four. They have been brutal so far, but they are, they are going to figure it out as well. So there's a long way to go in this division. And I, I still have full faith that the New York Mets are going to get on track. All right, finally, I'm, I'm signing off. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys on Sunday.